0: Hello, I'm Claire Tonti, and I think we need to talk. How are you going? What's the thing you're making? Are you making anything at all? Are you stuck? Are you kicking goals and a bit afraid you can't keep it up? <gasps> Do you have no frigging clue what the hell you're doing, what to even eat for breakfast and why life has so much dishwashing and form filling and laundry baskets and rubbish taking out time and general panic plus remembering to get cars serviced and fill the appropriate amount of petrol slash should you be putting in water and oil? I mean, who the hell frigging knows anything? Well, unfortunately, I'm not here to sort your life admin out. I have a daily panic of my own and a very stinky fridge cascading pantry to panic about. Why is it that I feel if only I had enough Tupperware containers with labels, I would magically be okay? Cue serious later discussion about priorities. Anyway, you can probably hear my husband man doing the dishes in the background. That's all that banging around. Yeah, we do have life mean over here in podcast land. Anyway, this is my podcast called Just Make The Thing, and today I'm here not to talk to you about all the boring shit you haven't cleaned out from behind the fridge, but About what I think helps make life better, and what has actually helped me stick to making some actual stuff for the first time in a long time over this past year. Gardening. I know, I know it sounds a bit bonkers, but hear me out, guys. Gardening has helped me so much. I've always loved the idea of gardening but like most things in my life up until now I've just killed a lot of plants and watched a lot of potted herbs and indoor cactuses become clumpy dry messes and sadness and reminders that I shouldn't start things because I can't keep them going. Cue sad violins playing. Anyway, what I'm saying to you is this. Over the past few years, gardening has taught me so much about myself and making things and keeping them going that I wanted to share it all here now with you in a weirdly short ranty podcast episode on gardening. And then I'm going to share with you another thing I've grown in my virtual podcast garden that I think you'll love. Anyway, okay, here's my theory. Microclimates. I know it sounds like a better homes and gardens episode, but I reckon microclimates might just be the key to figuring out how to keep making something. Okay, hear me out. For gardens to work and grow and succeed, You need to understand your climate conditions, which direction the sun faces, how much sun, how much shade you've got, what's your soil like? Does it need more nutrients or compost or nitrate or acid or self-care and a latte and a poached egg from a posh cafe? Maybe that's just me. Anyway, it means before you choose your plants, figure all of this stuff out and then get your soil good and ready. To me, as a human, this means I have to understand my own microclimate and figure out what's missing. What does my genetic makeup tend towards? What food, exercise, sun, books, and TV, music do I need to consume or do to make myself feel good and ready to grow whatever it is I need to grow slash make the thing you wanna make? I know this sounds kind of obvious, but I reckon it's so true. Get the soil right and I think everything starts to fall into place. Work out what conditions you're in, what things you can change, maybe your nutrition, what you eat, how much you move your body or spend time outside, maybe what things you watch on Netflix or what music you listen to, and then figure out the things you can't change. Maybe for now it's your job or where you live or your location or the commute that you have to get on to go to work, and then work out what you can actually physically do within all of those boundaries to get your stuff done. It's that age-old thing of planning first and really having a grand old think about your microclimate. Right, so That's all of my theory at the moment about how to get started. There's so much more that gardening has taught me as well. So that's my theory on microclimates. So I've got a couple of other things I've figured out that gardening has given me. It's sprouted patience, which I previously had none of. The understanding that to be good at something, you need to keep at it. Consistency over quality. Keep returning again and again. And little by little, change happens pull a weed here, chuck in a bit of water there. No mistake is final. You can just keep starting again every time. Death happens, but so does new growth every time composting is the breaking down of things until magically it's not rotting veggie scraps but stuff that is good for your garden and from that better bigger new things frolic and grow large I literally spread shit around and weirdly beautiful things get more beautifuler I mean if that's not a metaphor for life I don't know what is gardens are different and Fussy. And understanding, like what I said before, your microclimate—the place you are in, the sun you have, the soil you need—takes a long time, and that's okay too. In other words, the world is a friggin' delightful, rambling, raucous, ever-changing garden, and you, my friend, can and should get in there, get your hands dirty, and get stuck in. Bonus fact. Gardens also just bring you out of yourself and into the world to breathe and notice things and treasure the sun and marvel at the things we humans can create with a bit of dirt, seeds, some water and our energy. Right. With all that said, I promised you something from my virtual podcast garden that I've been growing. You may have heard me banging on about the millennial divide, which is a little idea that sprouted from me texting a friend, Ellen and just suggesting that her and her sisters might wanna do a podcast together. Really, I think these three are some of the funniest and cleverest and most insightful women I know. But they're also just really great fun. And listening to three sisters talk about the stuff they love, whether it's politics or pop culture, they go really highbrow and really lowbrow, is just one of my favorite parts of the week. And I wanna really share it with you here. So I'm gonna share a full episode, and I'd love you to go over and subscribe to them at the Millennial Divide. I'm there every week. Sometimes I guest on the show as well, but I just get to sit back after I planted this little seed and watch it flourish and grow. So here they are, Ellen, Dimity and Amy, three sisters in my virtual podcast garden with their podcast, The Millennial Divide.
1: Hello and welcome to The Millennial Divide, a podcast about navigating the millennial decade. We are three sisters bookending the generation. I'm Amy. I'm almost at the age when I'm no longer saying my age. Oh, I don't know when they cross over, but I feel like I'm in really
2: the Oh, there's such good documentation of your age for the last 11 weeks. Yeah, though. I'll just go really
1: quiet. <laughs> I'm in my late 30s. <laughs> I did stay mid 30s for a very long time. I've only just hit my later 30s at 37, I think. So I could even still be mid 30s, don't you think? Sure. Do you think I'm mid 20s? Yeah. Okay. Well, then yeah. you hold on to
3: that. Age. It's like the Jessica Simpson quote, you know, I'm almost my mid twenties, which is almost 30 <laughs> you're like, uh, you're 23. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, who else have we got here? Hi, I'm Ellen. I'm 33 and I'm not near 40. I'm closer to 30.
2: You having a crisis yet? I'm
3: right. not that scared about forty.
2: No, great. <laughs> it's pretty far <laughs> off. I won't worry about it. I'm Dimity. I'm the youngest member at 27. Feel, feeling comfortable in my age, actually. Feeling mm. like 27 is suiting me.
1: Actually, it's a really nice segue. So let's jump right in. <laughs> so today we got heaps on, and um, a few. We're, we're going to bounce back on a few earlier opinions. So you know, I've never said I'm not hypocritical. <laughs> And today I will validate that because I've got a few differences of opinion as to previous Mm -hmm. weeks. Um, I still love Famous in Love, so don't worry about that. That's still a recommendation. I don't know what we will talk about. Yeah, but I will uh, backflip on a couple of other things. Is it Gwenny? Please not Gwenny. Well, who knows? We'll get to that. So today we're going to talk about more royal visits, but a bit of a different skew this week. So stay with us. We'll get to it. Dim's got a question that quite nicely ties in to our question mark over age. Uh, We're going to talk current affairs and what should kids be wearing for their uniforms. Dim's got a recommendation and Gwenny makes another appearance on the the Grand Ole podcast. Welcome back. She is one of our faves. Um, We'll talk all things pop culture with Dim and mumpreneurs. Um, So... Oh, Ellen's doing Mumpreneurs. You gave it to me. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I was in one of my bossy moods and Dim had too many and Elle didn't have enough. So Elle's going to talk Mumpreneurs. And if we have time, I'll have a rant at the end because I just feel like it's been a while and I'm kind of fired up about a couple of things. So let's kick off. Okay, so the Royals have been in town. Did we know this? What what is a royal? Oh, a royal. I know. Which one? Yeah, it's hard to tell. She's called Meghan. Meghan. Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle. So, the- if it's
2: not Samantha Markle, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> Samantha's her sister. Go back to earlier <laughs> episodes. She's
1: fantastic. So, Meghan Markle, Duchess of Sussex has been out here with her lovely prince, Prince Harry the Duke of Sussex, and they've done their royal tour and she's worn all the clothes and they've all sold out and she's held her baby bump and it's gorgeous. Which I think is a bit controversial being (laughs) that she's probably only
3: about three months, three and a half months, but... Each to their own. If she wants to hold it, hold it. Hashtag no holding. judgment
1: slash all the judgment.
3: I should start holding my food baby just
2: to keep people oh. guessing. <laughs> you never know. Is it almonds or is it a baby?
1: <laughs> so they've they've done their thing and they've trotted off now to Fiji and we spoke on earlier episodes about how I'm very deeply uncomfortable about I'd, this with the Zika. I am too. I'm on board with that. I yeah. Zika, She's not wearing Zika. long sleeves, let me tell you that much. I watched and she's not. Anyway, I had this moment and this is where I'm going to become hypocritical because I, I, I'm i obsessed. I've watched everything. I've gone to Karen G's website to see her <laughs> dress that sold out in three seconds. I've checked where they're going. I'm all over this. Me- I'm, I was happy when she took a step back when because it was too much. But... They arrived in Fiji earlier this week and they got off their plane and they actually, I think what happened was that they actually showed earlier footage of I think either Mm. the Queen or someone else doing the same thing. It was almost a exact same replication of the royals coming off. And I suddenly got hit with this really uncomfortable, oh, God, it's like the colonial stuff colonialists are in town that it was like coming to visit the little colonies and oh aren't you sweet and keep doing your little Mm. thing and don't arc up where you're you know we're up here in the royal land and you little people down there in our (laughs) colonies that we rule just keep keep doing your little thing and I felt I was like oh that is just so patronizing for the Fijians (laughs) And then I was like, <laughs> oh, we've been trolled. <laughs> the, the sparkly outfits, the beautiful shiny hair, the royal baby, all of it. Mm. I fell for it all. And it, they're just doing They're they not did that here genuinely just to see <laughs> us. I'm
3: shocked. (gasps) They're here out of their own self-purpose to promote themselves and their ruling.
1: It is no better than 1880s with the (laughs) colonisation. It is awful. I cannot believe this is why you need to continue
2: to work full-time forever because you've had a few days off. Is this what you've been doing? Is this is this how you've been spending your time? Famous in love and like literally <laughs> a deep dive. In. Yeah, going into, into every
1: royal image I can I, find. You should see my Insta feed. All all I get served is images of royal. I'm just
2: shocked you've had this. You've had so many thought processes. It's like number one, oh, I love it. I'm following everything. I've seen all the dresses. And then number two, like the time for reflection of, oh, they've gone to Fiji. This is really bad. Wait a second. Like there's so many thoughts. I haven't given this a moment's thought <laughs> at one single moment. The most I thought about it was when you told me that, oh, I want to talk about this thing on the podcast. And I was like, what? And then I tried to Google where your thought pattern had gone. <laughs>
3: I was like, what the fuck? You, hey, where have you gone? I did kind of think when I did hear about it on the podcast, I went, we have been doing a lot of royals.
2: Yeah, Amy has an actual secret fetish for the royals. I think that's the no, most
1: it's, important thing. It's gone thing. now because I've realised I've been trolled, let you down. But.
3: I did introduce you today to Elizabeth Holmes' Instagram and if you are in any way interested in Meghan Markle's outfits and the Royals in general, her so many thoughts will blow your mind and it is... The best Instagram stories I think I've seen for a while. She literally has so many thoughts about every part of their outfits.
1: Yes, but she goes too quickly over them. Because You've I got to, to hold read... it. Oh, is that what you do? <laughs> I taught you that. Don't <laughs> you pretend you knew that yourself? Me. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you do with a story? You, you hold it. You press
2: it down oh. with your thumb, and then you can read it. It doesn't go.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Because yeah, there were so many thoughts, no. and I couldn't so keep up. So many thoughts. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm. I, so that might <laughs> spark your interest again. I. I just we're at different stages with this and I can't I can't
3: oh oh is this because it's the millennial divine well yeah I
2: can't quite work out why is this an I just think that I'm very confused about why you care. Uh, Because I was gonna say, oh you
1: you need a young royal and I thought oh there's stacks. There's like Eugenie, she got no which one got married the other day? Yeah, Yeah Eugenie. She's your age. You is it because we grew
3: up with Harry? I grew up with Harry and, I Wills. With Harry and no, Wills. but they were older. I had the biggest crush on Prince William. Yeah, I, I had a crush
2: on Prince Harry. He's my. He's like that's. If you think about the men that I've dated over my life, he's prime that's age. True, that is true. And think about my current partner. You, he looks like Prince he Harry. He Look like Prince Harry. <laughs> he does. That is funny. Yeah. So, so really, I should yeah. be the one caring the most. But it's true.
3: Maybe it is the stage they've just got married. Babies.
1: Yeah, similar know. life stage. I don't know. I actually genuinely don't know because I don't think I was that interested in Kate. Okay, so maybe this is a very clear
2: example of the millennial
1: divide. <laughs> Well, possibly, but if anyone wants a light reprieve, go on to Instagram, check out E-Homes. E-Homes, e. Holmes,
3: H-O-L-M-E-S, and it's brilliant.
1: She makes great analysis of all the outfits of the Royals, and she herself cannot explain why she's suddenly addicted <laughs> to the Royals. In fact, that was the whole content of this Man Repeller article saying, yeah, I was not interested in the Royals, and then all of a sudden I was. Yeah. And I don't know, Dim, there's – get. All I can say is you're missing out.
2: I I wish I loved anything as much as you guys love the Royals. Well, I don't anymore. I don't anymore.
1: (laughs) I don't like them now that I've realised that they're trolling us.
2: (laughs) Just Uh, you. It's (laughs) just you.
1: It's a singular vendetta. Okay. So we're done with the Royals. (laughs) Please. So, (laughs) Dim. Yes. You have a question.
2: I have a question. This is very millennial dividey this week, isn't it? We're really pulling out the age differences because my question is, I have a few friends in my life. You would be surprised (laughs) to know. Well, a few friends over the years who have turned 30. And once they've turned 30, it seems to be okay, I guess. But the whole approach to 30 seems to be quite daunting for Mm. everybody. Particularly women, and I'm really interested in this, and I want to hear your reflections on that approach to thirty. Now that you are both so far past thirty, oh, shut up. <laughs> so I'm interested because I, I actually right now, I, I, it's not. I just don't give it thought. So maybe I should be. Maybe it is. you know, and I guess what I wanted to know is, is it a defining? Turning point in age. Does it make a difference to your outlook and to your where you're at in life? And is it a good age to reevaluate where you're heading and all of that, or is it just another age?
3: I like thirty. I think yeah, I, it was good to kind of exactly what you said, reevaluate where I am. And I think you have a lot of markers of by the time I'm thirty, I would have done this. I remember the the TED Talk, which was 30 is not the new 20 and how a lot of people are wasting their 20s now because they're like, oh, I've got – I live for so much longer and it's fine and I can just date around whoever I like and blah, blah. And her – the psychologist's analysis was, no, your 20s are formative in the years that you have to be getting stuff done. You have to be setting up your career and your relationships and that kind of thing. So I think it depends where you're at when you're 30 to do the general Ellen balanced approach. (laughs)
1: That I normally Please do. have an opinion on you, my girl. <laughs> oh, I've got so many opinions on this one, do not I was just waiting for her I wasn't I
3: I wasn't worried about it for me. Uh huh. I liked you, it.
2: Because you were like, Yep, I'm like trying for my babe.
3: Yeah. I'm, yeah. And like I'd travelled, I'd lived away, I'd got a house, I had a have a wonderful husband. You know, like I was kind of on my trajectory, yeah. I think.
1: Yeah, so I I, had, I remember feeling like thirty was a big milestone that I'd had that I had to hit a number of targets. I remember that quite clearly. That mm. um, that you know you wanted to sort of be settled down and you and you, and I felt the ticking of you know fertility and I mm. thought well you know kids mm. shouldn't be too far on the horizon and I wanted to have you know financial security and blah 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 blah. blah. And the sheer irony of that now. Is that I had all those things, mm-hmm. and then my life changed dramatically. I split up with the partner that I was with. I didn't end up having. I had a miscarriage just shortly after thirty. My job changed significantly. Like my whole life blew up. Whole life, mm. and <laughs> now I look back and I'm just <laughs> like, what an idiot, I <laughs> naive. <laughs> thirty. Is just a number, yeah. and your life runs its course, <laughs> and yeah. you should pay no heed mm. to any of those milestones because it will fall into place when it falls into place. If if that's the things that you want, and um, having those um, tick the boxes are not the demonstration of a successful life. Um, if you're happy, that's important. If you're content mm. with your career, if you enjoy where you're living, and And if you want kids at some point, well, then hopefully you can have those. But I think particularly for women, there's a huge pressure around the 30s in general because of bloody fertility. Mm. When they can Mm. figure out how to make women a bit fertile for a bit longer, the pressure Mm. will come off enormously. But, you know, I'm now 37 and pregnant and, you know, in a really happy new relationship, newish relationship, a few years now. (laughs) Um, It's not (laughs) that new. (laughs) new. (laughs) But... Life can change really dramatically. And I think um, if you get caught up in those big numbers, you're really shortchanging yourself on the experience of living those numbers. Mm. Don't you think those big birthdays
3: just give you pause for a reflection though? Like I agree, totally agree about the checkbox. And I think, you know, there is, no path, there is no right path. You can head exactly what you're saying. You can head down one path and go, oh, that's not working. But don't you think they do kind of give you a chance to look back
1: on a decade and go, Wow, look where I was, look where I am now. I think and they do if you're happy. Mm. But if you're not in a good place, mm. I think they cannot they can happy. Be a very, very trigger. Yeah. Mm. yeah, for sure. I mean, I know
2: I And that's what I have anecdotally noticed is that yeah, it can be a quite a trigger for some people who might not be where they want to be. Yeah,
1: I just think we need to be comfortable with removing the expectations of those milestones because I mean, everyone says this and it it's only until the shit hits the fan and your life implodes that you kind of realize this is true. What people are showing on Instagram is the best filter of is the showreel of their life. It's not what's going on. And what happens inevitably is when bad stuff happens to you, everyone comes out of the woodwork to show their stories of all the shit mm. that was going down in their lives. Mm. Um, So you had no idea. Oh, you have no idea. They're still putting up the glossy Insta photos and it's full, the cracks are just underneath. Mm. So what I've really learned is that appearances can be very deceptive, that people who look like they've got their shit together often don't. And you just have to be true to yourself and take the pressure off and Mm. enjoy life because 30 is actually incredibly young. you got so, if I had have known at 30, oh, actually it would be another seven years before I'd have a baby or there would be something, you know, I'd go on to do X, Y and Z. I probably just would have enjoyed it a bit more knowing that that was all to come and it was okay. But instead I was quite caught up in having to hit a lot of those timeframes and upon reflection it was just a huge waste of energy.
2: (laughs) That's really, that's very encouraging. That's
1: good. I like that. Well, you'll have to replay this to me when I turn 40. (laughs) All that wisdom. Yes, says Amy in her late
2: 30s, (laughs) no longer owning her 37. No, that's comforting. (laughs) That's good. I, I like that approach to it. Take the pressure off. Be comfortable with where you're and Like as much as it is a nice pause for reflection, it's not a ticking boxes meaning you've achieved what, you know, you need to achieve by that time. Yeah. It could be. Another six months, it could be another 10 years, you'll get yeah, there and you or, or you might change
1: your mind. Yeah. You, those, those milestones may not be so important in the next few years, or they might, what society tells you to achieve may not actually be what you want to achieve.
2: I think I want to achieve financial security, and I do think that that is...
1: Well, get your side hustle on. <sighs> <laughs> Listen to last week's episode again.
0: <laughs> Got it.
1: Okay, so in a lighter topic slash heavier... I don't know. We're talking about school uniforms, which is unusual for us. We don't often talk about school uniforms. <laughs> not the kinky kind. Ew. Ew why would you go? Well, it's why weird would for adults to talk about school uniforms. Like Halloween You both up. are having
2: kids. Like that's a perfectly reasonable. Why did well, your mind go even, there? Well,
1: it's a long way off for of school. I'm, not even thinking, I'm thinking about sexy <laughs> right, Halloween okay. costumes. <laughs> 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 With My pregnant belly. <laughs> That okay, sorry, concerning. I digress. Mm. Thinking Britney Spears, <laughs> aka 1999. You
2: do what you want to do, almost 40-year-old.
1: <laughs> so this week, okay, take us away. <laughs> in
3: current affairs. <laughs> this popped up in my mind because, one, yes, I am in education, so I do read the education stories, but also it's a feminist topic. Mm. So that's the way I'm taking it. the Hall and Anglican Grammar School, it's a private girls school in Melbourne, have recently ditched their dresses and skirts for girls to wear shorts and pants. And this is a big deal because it's believed to be one of the first private schools to do this. So this is for kids in the primary or elementary, if you're in America, years. And they've completely, I didn't realise this when I first showed it, they've completely gotten rid of the skirts and dresses, mm. and the girls can only wear shorts and pants. And the reasoning for this is to make the girls more active because they found that the uniform was a big impediment for them to run around and do gymnastics and at lunchtime and um, just feel a bit freer. And last year, the Victorian government changed the state school uniform policy to force state schools to provide options for pants and shorts for girls. But it is often the Catholic and independent schools that have kind of been holding out in that traditional sense and I did do a little bit of research on this and a study from the US has found that more than 20% of adolescent girls and 12% of boys do no sport or recreational physical activity in a week and also they followed in Australia some children for a month, two weeks while they were wearing their formal school uniform and two weeks with their sports uniform. And it was only for the girls that their level of activity dropped when they were wearing their formal uniform. So the boys kept the same level of activity. Soon as the girls were put into their skirts and dresses, their level of activity dropped. Wow. Which I thought was pretty amazing.
2: Is that the research? Because this has been led by a group called Girls' Uniform Agenda. Mm. Um, which describe themselves as an Australian-wide group comprising parents, academics, education, educators and health professionals. And they were really – i you can find them on their website, uh, girlsuniformagenda.org. But they had some very convincing arguments, although I was already convinced. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, I agree more um, as to why girls should be able to have the choice of wearing shorts. But they kept on I mean, being like, because – research shows that <laughs> girls do more physical activity. Research, okay, it's research. And I was like, oh, I was simply like, what, what is this research? And I could not find it. But actually you you just did, so.
3: I might have gone to their webpage where they <gasps> said research. No, <laughs> Ellen. I did it intentionally. I'm just thinking of it now. Okay, well, what is the research? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> the research. But anecdotally I would say from being a teacher you do see girls a lot more hesitant because, you know, if particularly if they're in a co-ed school doing cartwheels and handstands and all of that when they're having to wear dresses, when they are in their sports uniform, they do feel a lot more confident. And I think also I think part of the argument might have been, I was trying to think of why we have this kind of structure is, you know, maybe they thought, oh, well, skirts and dresses previously would have prepared children for the workplace where they'd have to wear skirts and dresses and all of that. Or maybe, you know, that was the traditional girl dressing. And I just thought, well, that In this day and age that's so ridiculous, regardless of the physical activity, the fact that girls cannot wear shorts and pants if they would like to when in every other facet of their life they can, Mm. that just seems kind of wrong to
1: me and it should be an option. I just don't know why they don't wear the bloomers underneath their dresses (laughs) like I had to in school. Do
2: you know once in high school. This has just come back to me. It was year seven. It was my... No, actually it must have been... No, it was year five. So I just changed from our local public school to our private school um, for year five. And I was in PE class and I was showing off by doing a handstand in gym class and I we had skirts and bloomers underneath. And I wore bloomers that were, I guess, maybe a bit small. Anyway, I did a handstand. I was so proud of myself. I felt... Oh, that I had a wedgie, I did, but I was so I was just so proud. I was like, I don't even care. Did everyone see me fucking nail that handstand? And then I think the teacher came over to me and she's like, "So we actually have regulation bloomers for this school, uh, so you've got to have you know more appropriate bloomers underneath your skirt." And I was like, "Oh, that means that everyone was looking at my wedgie."
3: Yeah, see. That's why you need to offer shorts and yeah. pants and blooms don't work. It's
2: very I embarrassing. Just it's... And I really, after that, was like, ooh, don't do handstands. Absolutely. That's, such a, that's, exa- that's the research that's they're awesome. talking about. <laughs> it's me. But do you know that our school that we went to, our private school, mm-hmm. has introduced optional pants for girls?
3: Mm. I think quite a few of them have, now, yeah. Which is so. good. I don't know if they wear them because
1: they seem to be the no, kind I of look ugly.
2: <laughs> I actually I saw a girl today walking uh, down the street. She was wearing them.
1: I'm from not a fan, I must say, really? I like the girls in skirts. Call me old fashioned. Uh, you're <laughs> I being
2: will. D- you're being deliberately provocative, Amy Kirkwood.
1: <laughs> do you know, uh, yeah, I just think uh, uniforms in general could do with a bit of a stylish overhaul. And and I think if you're going to put girls in pants, give them a nice leg. <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake. But uh, I do think it's part of a broader trend. A couple of workplaces I know of, I work in a very much more of a casual environment. So um, gone are the days of the formal corporate attire. But a, a number of corporate pl- workplaces i know of are now imposing or implementing um a dress for your day policy which is quite different so really it's if you're client facing or if you've there's some reason that you need to be in more oh. corporate attire than wear corporate attire but broadly turn up in you know mm. smart casual otherwise so i think the schools are just in line with what workplaces are doing i don't think um necessarily that they're being leaders in this and I think it's no. a, pr- a practical application and I think it's good. Mm. I also think it could have been a bit of a PR stunt because it was only grade one and prep and grade one or something, wasn't it, for that school?
3: No, I think it was the whole primary school. Uh, I
1: don't know. Mm. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I, Of course it makes sense for girls to be able to be active, mm. but I also think give the girls something nice to wear as well. <laughs> no, my, oh, my. Oh, <laughs> my. I'm gonna
3: leave that there
1: because I have a lot of thoughts about that. Just don't even engage with her, Ellen. She's just trying to. I just want to move on to the next one, which is Gwenny. (laughs) Gwenny. (laughs) Okay, so Gwyneth Paltrow. I know we do talk about her a lot, but but this is a good one. Yeah. Dim, talk us through this one. So, first
2: of all, you're welcome, everybody. I discovered that Gwyneth Paltrow has a podcast and it is the best. So, it started in February this year. Gwyneth, it, it describes herself as Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop's Chief Content Officer, Elise Lonan, chat with leading thinkers, culture changers, and industry disruptors from doctors to creatives, CEOs to spiritual healers. Do you notice the Gwenny voice I have? About shifting old paradigms and starting new conversations. <laughs> Guests include Oprah, Chrissy Teigen, Sarah Jessica Parker. It is so good. But I did realise that, um, so I, I was listening to it and then my housemate came home and I was like, oh, my God, Layla, you want not believe Gwyneth Paltrow, she has this podcast, it's based on Goop, and she was like, what's a Goop? What's a Goop? And I was like... Oh, um, has Layla that's, not
3: been listening to our podcast? <laughs> I guess,
2: well, she's not listening to this, so I can oh, say whatever yeah. I want. Uh, <laughs> so she, it was based on, uh, sorry, I said, you know, this is what Goop is, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, anyway, Goop is where she announced that she consciously uncoupled from um, from Chris Martin. Hilarious, right? And Layla was like, what's a consciously uncoupling? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, we're weird. <laughs> we're Our obsession with Gwyneth is actually not the norm and people don't know all of this trying to say not our,
3: it's yours.
1: Me, both of you. Oh. I'm not that obsessed with Gwyneth. Uh, oh, I like her. Although I'm not. So this podcast was your recommendation yeah. this week, and you particularly pointed us to the Chrissy Teigen episode, mm. which I did like because yeah, I love Chrissy Teigen. She's funny. Look, I wasn't enamoured, oh. and I wasn't either because
3: I love. I love that you pointed us there, but listening halfway through, I'm like, this is kind of a bit boring. boring. All
1: that I got out of it was Gwyneth. Sometimes likes fried food, which yeah. I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. She swears a lot. Oh, yeah. she's just, it was a bit ho-hum. Oh, yeah, well, I wasn't agree. That...
3: I kept listening because I thought you did sell me on the conscious uncoupling that she was going to talk about it. And I got all the way through the Chrissy <laughs> Teigen one. And I was like, where's the conscious uncoupling? Uh-huh. So I listened to the next one. Yeah. and the that's... one the like celebration of like 10 years ago Yeah, where she spoke with her. Yeah. chief person. Chief contact officer. And there I actually, I got a bit more sold on the Gwenny train because I did hear her understand, you know, they were talking about how they go, it's fine to kind of question things and we're just putting things out there and people are very set in their ways. I thought, yeah, I can be very quick sometimes, go, oh, that's ridiculous and not, kind of take it in and go, well, I could do it or I could not and maybe I should consider it. And she also says about the conscious uncoupling that, yeah, that was a (laughs) stupid term pretty much and it wasn't what our intention was. And she said I think a lot of people got their back up Because And this is what I really liked about her, that she had this introspection that she said she felt that a lot of people felt that by them saying, oh, we're trying to do it this way, they were telling every other divorced person, oh, you've done it the wrong way. And she said, I can understand that. And, you know, that wasn't our intention. We were just trying to find a way that suited us. But, you know, it's very difficult space. And so, yeah, I got a bit more on board. But the actual Chrissy Teigen, I thought, oh, Chrissy Teigen's so funny. And I just didn't get that. Well,
1: I got halfway through the podcast and I was like, nah, I'm going back to listening to a Star Born soundtrack for the fifth time in a row because that's what I want to talk about for my recommendation and neither of you have seen it, but no. I'm just going to talk about how much I love it. So last Are you note, taking over? Is this, you know, I'm going rogue because I just can't stop talking about it or thinking about it or humming the lyrics because Can a star not? is born. Oh my goodness. Okay, just, here's my just recommendation don't for you guys.
2: Spoil anything because I I'm hear not, there's a spoiler and I don't want to th- know. It's Ooh. the
1: third remake, Dim. If there's <laughs> been two previous don't. spoilers. Amy. No, I'm not gonna give you any spoilers. All I'm gonna say is do yourself a favor <laughs> and get your ass out to the cinema and go and see A Star Is Born. Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is sublime. You will not even know it's Lady Gaga. Bradley Cooper is just the self-destructive rock star who you want him to be. You laugh, you cry. It is, the music is so good. I honestly, I've had it on repeat all day and I just want to talk about that to everybody. (laughs) Okay, I'll tell you what, I'll strike a deal.
2: You come to the podcast next week wearing
1: Kylie Jenner's lip kit, Oh, I would if it would turn up. Okay, <laughs> oh, we could go early on my rant. <laughs> Kylie Jenner needs to improve her customer service. Whoa. There, I've said it. We ordered how long ago? Three weeks. When weeks. <gasps> you three weeks? When the times when you asked? Whenever you asked, we ordered. Sorry, we're digressing. This is a recommendation that we have had on the potty for a long time but Kylie Jenner's lip
2: kit. It's purely so that I can upload a photo to our Instagram account of me pouting using the kind Well, Jenner's I tell kit.
1: you what, Dim, when it finally arrives in we this great shore, we will either recommend it. Have you that, been tracking it? Uh, yes, I've even contacted them when they had the audacity to send me an email asking for my feedback on the product. And I said, I'd love to give you feedback. <laughs> But I can't give you any feedback other than this is a shitty experience and you guys need to get your act together. I'm very unhappy about it. (laughs) And not only that, okay, I'm going (laughs) further. This rant's going to, I'm just going to combine my rant. Yeah, keep going. Um, I roped in a friend from work to get a lip gloss as well. Hers hasn't arrived. She's She's paid me. I'm now... I feel like I'm just misleading people. It's like a pyramid Kylie, scheme. Yeah. Kylie, listen, give us our our lip kits, please. Yep. Oh. I'm not impressed. Kylie Jenner lip kit. Okay. So can okay.
2: We'll talk about this after, but Okay. Okay.
1: Alright, so I don't quite know what we did there, but anyway, moving right along.
2: There was three recommendations in one, I think, is what happened.
1: <laughs> okay, so. I think I've had my rant, so (laughs) I'm going to leave it at that. Oh,
2: okay.
1: I was going to talk about how annoying uni kids are, but (laughs) that's a given. Yeah. They talk in lectures. They're very Look, we
2: all have been one in the last year. Yeah, so. it's just yes. when you're
1: a mature age student, they hate you and Again, I hate them. Again, we
2: yeah. all have been in the last year. <laughs> oh, so.
3: true, true, true. But I'm with other mature age students, so we're all just nerds together. Ah, uh, that is a much better place. It's
1: much better. I just tell them, shh, stop talking. Do you? you say oh, it. yeah. I tell them off now. Uh, I'm sick of it. Yeah, okay. Nah, they're shitty little kids. Anyway, I'm going to move on. <laughs> so,
2: mumpreneurs. Yes. Can I just say, I feel like it should be mumpreneurs. It's anyway, for me, it's missing a syllable. I just want to say that.
1: Mum Patronose. Mum Patronose. Makes no sense.
2: It just sounds better to me. Okay. It sounds more like a. da-da-da-da-da. Uh, you just <laughs> say
1: it however you want to say. I'm, I'm going to leave it. Okay. <laughs> so, <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> these are mums
3: mm. who are making money off their children. And you would have seen them on Instagram. They're. There's quite a few around and this was just in a recent article and it was outlining some of the children who have way more followers than all of us combined. One of them is Taylor Biggs, who is five years old and has 150,000 Instagram followers. Ooh, can we
1: get her to tag I us know, in something? Yeah, <laughs> let's. <laughs>
3: Maybe we get her on the show, Ooh. ask what she thinks about My Little Pony. Yeah. She's been walking shows for Fashion she, Week. Yeah,
1: she, Ellen, she's like
2: walking for like Givenchy and stuff. It's <laughs> like, oh, what do you think of My Little Pony? Yeah. We're going to ask her some serious questions if we get that 5 minutes. What do you think about
3: Mark Jacobs' new line? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's been walking shows for Fashion Week, posing... You know, she poses on all of her Instagram photos with the real, you know, hip out, hand on hip, the pout. I did a bit of, you know, deep diving and I went, oh, gosh, she's five. Um, Another one is Alonzo Mateo, who is 10 and has 20,000 followers. And his photo shoots on his Instagram, shot by his mum, him with Ray-Bans and button-up shirts. And he's got his own fan page on Instagram. And then, of course, locally in Australia, we have Roxy Jisenko's daughter, Pixie, who has her own line of hair bows and 100,000 followers. And this article didn't mention it, but also I would throw in Beck Judd's kids, Chris Judd's wife, who has a very, you know, she seems to be on everything, on TV shows and Instagram. And her kids don't have their own accounts, so it's a little bit different. But they are used to promote a lot of things. And it's... For me, I think having, you know, as a mum, I hate using that term, but being, one, a teacher, two, as a mum, seeing these children used in this way, it makes me very uncomfortable. But then as I was thinking about it, I did actually come up with my own question, which was, is this any different from child models or child actors or beauty pageants, which I've always felt a little bit icky about, but I thought, well, is it any different I don't think it's different in
2: fact I think they're working way less than those kids Yeah so they just have to stand there and put on pretty clothes Sounds like our dream <laughs> as kids
1: Yeah it's interesting because I read that article as well and one thing I did like was that there was she she referenced that there's this kind of middle class pretension about commodifying your kids Yeah and mm-hmm. and this you know it's quite popular now to be quite Disdainful of people who do it, and and there's a lot of commentary around how some celebrities get away with it. Um, so yes. Zoe Foster Blake was referenced as someone who is in the eyes of the community, she's okay yep. in her reference because to children. she makes hers a little bit funny and yeah. um,
3: less spruiking of.
1: Well, she doesn't put the kids up the yep. product, but I kind of think, well, where do you draw the line mm. if you your kids? When we've had these chats before, but. I do think there is something a little bit elitist about mm. this conversation that if your kids want to go out and do things or you're willing to, you know, leverage their careers, well, okay, that's my, that's another revenue stream mm. that they're looking at. I mean, it's been happening the for all eternity with kids doing bits and pieces. I think it's within each of your comfort levels and there's definitely an exploitation, but at least with social media you control it. Yeah. It's not like you're sending kids out onto sets, as to your point, Dim, mm. working long yeah. hours in unsupervised conditions. Which um, I
2: would have loved as a kid as well. I was all for working. Mum should have spruiked the hell out of me, earned some big bucks.
3: But can I say you you do control it to a point, but once it's on the internet, other than a catalogue shoot, you don't control that image then. It's out there, particularly if you're accepting followers of 150000 followers for your five-year-old. So that's my concern with it, that that image and your child's, you know,
1: life is out there in a far-reaching yeah, places. Yeah, I do agree. But these children are the offspring of out-there people. I mean, I'm sure, who's to say that these kids aren't, like, to your point, Dim, or equally going to want that fame Absolutely. and notoriety? Absolutely, they might the not bank- know
3: now. That's my thing. Yeah. They don't have a choice.
2: This they do. At five? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> no, I remember I I remember going up to mum at six and I still think about this and saying, I want an agent.
3: So I, I remember can you act. saying that. Yeah.
2: And where am I now? Definitely not a movie star. <laughs> mum should have pushed harder. Should have been a stage mum, got me, you know, in front of those different talent agents. Now, I don't know. I think do you know how much it costs to raise a child on average in Australia, as of twenty sixteen? A
3: lot, as of the last. Do
2: you two want to know? Did I did maths. Yeah. I did maths again.
1: Amy? I think it's about three hundred thousand or something like that. Uh,
2: yeah, you got it. Yeah. Well, I'm about
1: to have a kid, so I need to know these things. <laughs>
2: three, th- 300000 So, oh, well oh, done. Yeah, hey, yeah want the money. Yeah, three hundred thousand. So it's very expensive, and yeah, they should start paying their way a little bit more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do kids get? Give the out? bows out. <laughs> Sell those little Roxy Jacenko bows, I don't and know. Really I'm fixi, all right fixi, with it. Roxy Jacenko. Look, I've got bigger fish to fry.
0: Yeah. Got, I'm more worried
1: about Markle. <laughs> the Zika. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hear your point. I also do feel a little bit uncomfortable about the whole, oh, you know, I feel I feel like a little, a little, it is a little bit elitist mm. in a way. I, I do I, I do. What well, do you get think, like the comment, criticism is elitist true. or the? Yeah, I think it's a nice privilege with middle class thing to go. It's a bit like um, the article referenced in Australia, we have this term cashed up bogans. Mm. And it's a little bit like that, you know, oh, what are they doing? Or it's it's blatant um, displays of wealth and conspicuous consumption and, oh. and it's very kind of middle class and, you know, snooty to kind of put your nose down and go, oh, what's that? And I just kind of think, ah, oh, let people do what they want within yeah. reason. I mean, I do, I do get the exploitation thing, but I, ah, oh, it's fraught. I don't know. I, my final comment on
3: this would be we don't know... We haven't had a generation that has had this internet growing up and we don't know where it's going or how kids are going to react to it. So I always come from a kid's point of view. If you are growing up with this, you know, being your life and you haven't had a choice in it, Are they going to want it later on? We don't know yet. And so that's why I'm always hesitant to post too much because I don't know. I don't know what – you're right. We might have a whole generation, and we're currently uh, producing them, of kids who are really wanting to be out there and wanting to show their photos and they don't care if they've got a photo of them at five pouting in a fancy dress, Mm. but we don't know. So that's where my hesitation is and that's why I won't be doing it.
1: Well, I might. Hot house mine and start to bring the many, many, many cash dollar bills, y'all. I'll help. Like um (laughs) do you remember um Honey boo child. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? I will Go help away. with your social media presence, Amy. I'm going to make yours do it as well. <laughs> okay, so this has been the millennial divide. If you've liked what you've heard, subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also rate, review, or leave us a comment. Leave us comments. We love to read them. Send us a question. We've had a couple. We've got another one next week, actually, which we'll reference. So thanks, Sal, for sending that one our way. We do like to check our facebook groups so come and check us out at the millennial divide so that's two l's and two n's for the millennial divide um we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram send us your little stories on insta of when you listen to the podcast we love to see them and tell your friends and we will see you next
0: week bye goodbye